God bless you as you give. Chris Michelson, come on up. Let's welcome him to the pulpit here at Lighthouse. All right, brother. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Ken and Pastor Holly. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's really an honor to be here. We love you guys, and it's been great getting to know you. And can we just give honor where honor is due to Pastor Ken and Miss Holly? Thank you so much. We love and appreciate you guys so much. Um, yeah, as, as we said, we're going back. Um, as Pastor Ken said, we're going back in March to the nation of Pakistan. And uh, we're expecting it to be a, the biggest crusade that we've ever conducted. Uh, we've been doing crusades in Pakistan the last number of years. But for the last two years solid, we've been focusing all of our attention on the nation of Pakistan. Uh, at the end of 2017, the Lord spoke to me that I was to go only to Pakistan. We were doing crusades in India, Sri Lanka. Uh, I, before that, worked for the Ministry of Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalenda for a number of years. And uh, so I get invitations still to this day all the time to go to Africa. And, uh, but at the end of 2017, I felt like God said, I want you to focus all your attention on Pakistan. And for the last two years, just in Pakistan alone, we've now seen over one million people make first-time decisions for Jesus Christ in Pakistan. Amen. So it's really amazing what God's doing there. We're really excited about it. Uh, we started a TV show called Salvation Today that airs in almost every home that it can possibly air in, in the nation of Pakistan and other, many other nations around the Middle East and all over Asia. And uh, we're using that platform as a way to continue to advance the gospel. You know, Pakistan is not a, a, an easy place to go. And I'm going to be careful what I say because I know this is being recorded. But years ago, after 9-11, our U.S. Navy SEALs flew into Pakistan to take out Osama bin Laden, who was living there. So that kind of gives you the context of the situation in Pakistan. And so... Uh, it's a very dangerous place, but at the same time, it is a very ripe place for the harvest. The people are open. They're excited about uh, Jesus, and, and when they hear the gospel, literally, they're hearing it for the very first time. And so we're using the TV show also as a way to say, hey, people, some people may never come to a crusade. But we can reach them with a crusade on TV in a 30-minute window right in their house on TV. Amen. And so um, we're really excited about what the Lord's doing there as we continue to go and preach the gospel. And, you know, it's taken us now two years, in the last two years, to see a million people come to Christ. But I'm believing that we are going to see, I'm pressing and pushing to begin to see one million souls saved every year. That's my new goal is that it, what used to take two years is going to take only one year in the future as we continue to go and preach the gospel. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Amanda. Sweetie, why don't you stand? She's my right-hand woman. She travels with me. Uh, we don't have kids yet, so it's really easy for us to travel. And she goes with me to the Crusades, and she's absolutely amazing. She does all of our... Um, accounting in the in the ministry and does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that she is really gifted in. So uh, it's amazing to have her with me 
today as well. Uh, as Pastor mentioned on the way out, we have a product table. You can sign up for our intercessors list there and get our newsletters. If you just want bullet points to pray and intercede, there's a checkbox just to get the intercessors list, uh, intercessors email, and you can do that. We also have some t-shirts back there that are for sale. They're $25 a piece. Uh, some of them say Jesus saves. There's other ones back there about that talk about the Great Commission. They're 25 a piece, and all the proceeds go to our crusades in Pakistan. And uh, we have a deal back there, too. If you buy two, you can get them for 40 So who would like a T-shirt this morning? Praise the Lord. You guys can go back to the product table on your way out and buy them. They're 25 a piece. No, no, who really wants a T-shirt this morning? Here. That's what you get for sitting on the front row, amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, you can exchange it back there for the right size uh, if it doesn't fit. Um, but this morning, uh, we're excited. I'm really excited. I've got a message for you today called Jesus Saves. Somebody say that. Jesus Saves. And so I'm excited about it. Uh, I want to share a quick story with you about a, an atheist who was walking through the woods. There was an atheist walking through the woods, and as he was walking, he said to himself, what majestic trees there are, what powerful rivers, what beautiful animals, he said to himself. And as he continued walking alongside the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes. He turned and he looked, and it was a seven-foot grizzly bear that was charging right toward him. As he began to run, he ran up the path, and looking over his shoulder, he began to see that the bear was closing in on him. And as his heart, as he was running, his heart began pumping frantically, and he tried to run faster and faster, but he tripped and fell to the ground. And he rolled over to pick himself up, but he saw that the bear was raising his paw to take a swipe at him. At that moment, the atheist cried out, Time stopped and the bear froze and the forest became silent. It was then that a bright light, a bright light shone upon the man and a voice from heaven came saying, you deny my existence for all these years. You teach others that I do not exist and you even credit creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light and he said, it would be hypocritical of me to suddenly treat, uh, to ask you to treat me as a Christian now. But perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. <laughs> Very well, the light said. And the light went out. The sound of the forest resumed. The, the, the bear lowered his paw, bowed his head and spoke. Lord, bless this food which I'm about to receive. <laughs> in which I'm truly thankful for. Praise the Lord. Friends, listen, this morning when you call upon the Lord in your time of trouble, I promise he won't turn your situation into something that's going to eat you, amen? But this morning, Jesus saves, amen? And when you call upon the name of Jesus, he'll come running right after you, amen? Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter number 7. This is one of my favorite gospel messages that I'm going to be preaching this morning. 
we've seen hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ through uh, this message, and I just believe this uh, passage of Scripture really shows the heart of Jesus. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I'm going to read the whole story so you get the context of the message. Uh, the Bible says in Luke ver- uh, seven thirty-six. Then there was a Pharisee who asked Jesus to come and eat with him. And when Jesus had went to the Pharisee's house, he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself saying, If this man was a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. I think he said it that way anyway. And when Jesus answered, he said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And Jesus said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, Simon, which of them would love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and he said to her, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my head with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven... The same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. And those who sat at the table began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What an amazing story that we read here about the heart of God, the heart of Jesus toward the sinful people. You know, I I believe this story shares some powerful points about this woman and and how and why she did what she did. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about why this woman did what she did and how it was that she found the feet of Jesus and found salvation in him. This morning, I'm going to give you kind of some background theology to start with, to kind of lay a foundation theologically, and then I'm going to start to preach after that. First of all, we know that there are three characters in the story, three main characters. We have Jesus, we have a sinful woman, and we have Simon the Pharisee. At this time in history, Jesus was traveling all over the countryside, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and seeing people come to faith in him. And as Jesus was traveling and preaching and doing ministry, 
his crowds began to grow. Thousands and thousands of people began to come hear Jesus and, and follow him everywhere he went. We knew that there were, sometimes the crowds were so big, he would have to literally sneak out of the crowd to get out of them so that he wouldn't be crushed by the crowd. And so there was thousands of people beginning to follow Jesus at this time. And here he finds himself invited to Simon the Pharisee's house. And there in the house, he meets the second character of the story. He meets this sinful woman. We don't know much about her. We don't even know what her name is. But one thing we know about this woman is she's a big sinner. And everyone in the city knows that this woman is a sinful woman. We don't know too much about her. Uh, a lot of people think that perhaps this woman had met Jesus on a previous occasion and uh, maybe Jesus had spoken salvation over her or told her that her sins were forgiven and that is the reason why she came to worship Jesus and anoint his feet. But in this particular story, this story is quite a bit different than the other versions of it that we read about in the other three Gospels. But we know in this version that this woman was certainly a sinner when she met Jesus because it tells us in verses 37 and 39 that she was a sinner. And we also see in verses 47 and 50 that Jesus now in this encounter is proclaiming salvation and forgiveness over her sins. Uh, a lot of people think that this may be uh, Mary Magdalene who is found in the other three Gospels. There is a very similar story to this one about Mary Magdalene whom Jesus cast seven demons out of. And when she had received salvation, and when Jesus cast those seven demons out of her, she began to be a follower of Jesus. And it was uh, several months maybe later that Mary Magdalene had come and anointed Jesus' feet and did something very similar to this woman. But most theologians believe these are two separate encounters and two separate women. A very prominent theologian said this about this text. He said, this is very similar in many ways to the events described in Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12, but it is clearly a different incident. That occasion took place in Bethany near Jerusalem during the Passion Week. In the anointing at Bethany, it was Mary Magdalene, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who anointed Jesus. This incident takes place in Galilee and involves a woman who was a sinner, most likely a prostitute. There is no reason to identify this woman with Mary Magdalene as some have done. Now why do I bring that up? Why do I draw attention to that? Because I believe Mary Magdalene came and did what she did out of a place of thankfulness for what Jesus had already done for her. She'd already received Christ. She'd already had seven demons cast out of her. But I believe this story, this is this woman's first encounter with Jesus. She is a sinner. She's not yet received salvation. And I believe that it is for that reason that she did what she did. She longed to be saved. She was desperate for salvation and for forgiveness. Thirdly, in the story we have Simon the Pharisee. We don't know too much about him, but there's two things we certainly know. Number one, he doesn't like Jesus too much, and he doesn't like this woman too much. 
You see, this woman, he, he, he doesn't like her because here we see that when she comes and she's washing his feet, he turns and he says within himself that, that this Jesus, if he was a prophet, he wouldn't even want this woman to touch him. And so he has great disdain for this woman, and he doesn't really like Jesus too much either because right there he's saying within himself, you know, I don't even think Jesus is a prophet. I know people are saying that he is the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, that he's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords, but I'm not even sure if he's a prophet because if he was, he wouldn't even want this sinful woman to touch his Feet. And also we know that he didn't care too much for Jesus because he didn't even give Jesus a kiss or greet him or even give him some water for his feet, which was very customary at that time. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this woman now in greater detail. We know that she's a sinner. We know that she is in desperate need of salvation, and we know that she also was a Jew. And the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Surely this woman knew that she was a great sinner. Most theologians believe that because she was outside uh, outside prostituting herself, that that is why everyone knew in this story that she was a great sinner because they would have seen her on the side of the road. They would, have, they would have walked past her and said, that woman over there is a great sinner. And so everyone knew she was a sinner. And she knew she was a sinner under the Jewish law. And the Bible tells us in, in Numbers chapter 15, verse 30, that anyone who sins defiantly or willfully will be cut off from the children of Israel. Surely this woman knew that she was defiantly sinning against God every day, time and time and time again. She was going away and doing the things that she shouldn't be doing, willfully committing sin. And the Bible tells us that, that there, is, there is no hope for this woman because as, her, as she continued to sin in this way, she knew she was being cut off from the children of Israel. A, a very prominent uh, theologian, Dr. Michael Heiser, who has a PhD in the Hebrew Bible and, the, and in Semitic studies, he said this. He said that the laws of the Torah contain no sacrificial expiation for intentional or premeditated sins. There is no vicarious remedy or some ritual that will absolve a person who intentionally defied God or committed some kind of crime. You see, this woman knew that she had willfully been sinning. And as a Jew, she would have known that there was no sacrifice that she could make that could atone for all of her sins, especially the ones that she willfully committed. And so I believe as a result of her lifestyle and her sinful choices, she knew there was no hope for her to ever be forgiven. There was no sacrifice she could make. Think about it, friends. If there was a sacrifice she could have made that would have covered all her sins, even her willful sins, then, my friends, Jesus Christ never would have had to come and die on the cross for all of us. 
because we would just be continuing to make those same sacrifices for our sins today. But my friends, the good news of the gospel is that God had a plan. He had a perfect lamb that could take away all our sins. It's the sinless, spotless lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. This woman had no sacrifice she could perform to absolve her sin. But then I believe it was about that time that as she was in her most hopeless, desperate situation, feeling like I'm going to go to hell forever because of my sin, in that moment she began to hear about Jesus. I could imagine that, that before meeting Jesus, before hearing about him, she was probably hopeless. She probably felt like there is no hope for me. There's, there's no sacrifice I can do. There, there's no hope for me. I'm going to be cut off from God forever. And a lot of people in, in hopelessness, uh, there's so many people in America who are going through hopelessness. And as a result... They turn away from God and they think there's no hope for me and they end up taking their own life because they feel like there's no hope in this world. My friends, I want to tell you this morning, no matter how hopeless you feel, no matter how dark of a hole you've gone into, no matter what you've done this morning, as long as you have breath in your lungs, as long as you can call on the name of Jesus, there is hope for you. There's always hope for Jesus. There's always hope when you can call on his name. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you'll call on him today, he'll save you. He'll come running after you. I believe that this woman in this, in this moment, she, she was desperate for salvation. And I believe it was about that time that she began to hear stories about this Jesus. And as she heard the stories, faith started to arise in her spirit. Perhaps she heard the story in John chapter 8 of how Jesus met an adulterous woman. And he declared over that woman, daughter, your sins are forgiven you. Perhaps she heard the story in Matthew chapter number 9 where Jesus encounters a paralytic man and he says to the man, have courage, child, your sins are forgiven you. Perhaps she heard the story of how Jesus told his followers in Matthew 9, 6 that he has the authority to, on earth to forgive sins. And I believe as she heard these stories about how other people were receiving forgiveness of their sins, perhaps faith began to rise in her heart and in her mind and she began to say, you know what, maybe this Jesus will save me as well. Maybe if I can just get to the feet of Jesus, he'll say to me, your sins are forgiven you. And I think it was about that time that somebody came to her and said, hey, did you hear the news? Did you hear the news? Jesus is in our village. 
Jesus is at Simon, the Pharisee's house. And I think she would have run through her house and grabbed the most expensive bottle of anointing oil that she could find. And she began to run down the streets and through the village to try to get to Simon's house. And, and I would have imagined that if she would have come up to Simon's house, there probably would have been thousands of people gathered outside of Simon's house trying to press in to get into Jesus and Perhaps in that moment, she began to think about those people that would be there, that would know her, and who would look down upon her. And begin, she, But as she began to get closer, she said, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to do whatever I can to get there. I don't care who's in my way. I don't care what people might think about me when I get to that house. I don't even care if there's security guards at the door. I'm getting my salvation. I'm getting forgiveness. And I'm getting to the feet of Jesus. And she did whatever she could to press through the crowd, press through the people, press through the noise of what everyone might think about her and coming to Christ and all of these things. And she pressed through the door and she found the feet of Jesus in Simon's house. My friends, when you need salvation, when you need forgiveness of your sins, you don't care, don't care about who's around you. Don't care about what people might think about you. Don't care about, about the, the, the noise and the crowd. When you need salvation, you say, I'm pressing through the crowd. I'm pressing through the thoughts of what other people might think. And I'm getting to the feet of Jesus. My friends, maybe you're here this morning and you're like this woman and you need salvation. You know, many years ago, I was like this woman. You know, I wasn't a prostitute. But I was a big sinner like her. I was a drug dealer in Minnesota where I lived, and I was living wild parties, drugs, alcohol, fast motorcycles, living on the edge all the time. I should have died so many times, living wild for myself. My wife's sister had gotten radically saved. Amanda and I were dating at the time, living this lifestyle of parties and drugs and all these things. And her sister had gotten radically saved and started inviting us to go to church. So they invited us. We went to church on a Sunday morning. And when I got to church on Sunday morning, I heard the pastor preach a message. He made an altar call for salvation. But I didn't respond because I thought I was good, you know. But I never responded to the altar call. But he said something that morning that really changed my life forever. He said, we're having church on Wednesday night. Make sure you come back for our midweek service on Wednesday night. That, well, that's what I heard. What the pastor actually said was on Wednesday night, we're having a special service for parents whose teenage children are dealing with drugs and alcohol. Come back to church on Wednesday. All I heard was come back to church on Wednesday. I think maybe there was an angel covering my ears or something. So for whatever reason, I know it was the Holy Spirit now, but for whatever reason, we haven't been to church in years, at least I hadn't, and uh, for whatever reason, we showed up just a few nights later to the wrong service on a Wednesday night. But it was the right service, because God had a plan. And we showed up to this big mega church in Minneapolis, and there were all these parents sitting in the front. And to our horror, we had shown up to the wrong service, so we didn't want to be rude and leave. So we decided we we're going to just sit way in the back, and at the end of the service, we'd sneak out when it was done. 
And while this pastor was ministering to these parents, he began to talk about these sin issues that we were currently living in. And all of a sudden, while he was ministering to the parents in the front, Holy Spirit was ministering to us in the back. I was starting to feel convicted because I grew up in church. I knew all about Jesus, but I was running from God. I was bound in sin, and I didn't, at that time, I didn't want to get free. But I knew better. I looked over, and my wife is sitting next to me. She's just crying and crying, covering her face, trying to not let me see her. And all of a sudden, God started moving. There was no altar call for salvation. So we went out into the car that night, and we made a decision that night we were going to start following Jesus. I would love to tell you that from that moment on, everything changed, and I had a halo around my head, and I never sinned again. But for several months, I became a halfway Christian. I was halfway in the world, halfway in the church. I, was, I decided, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I probably shouldn't, you know, drink as much as I used to drink. I probably shouldn't get as drunk as I used to get drunk because I'm a Christian now. I decided, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I probably shouldn't do as many drugs as I used to do because I'm a Christian now. So I'm just not going to get as high as I used to get. You see, I began to live this halfway Christian life. And as I was living this lifestyle, my, I felt like my soul was being pulled in two. Because on one hand, I really wanted God and I wanted to live for Him. But on the other hand, I still was trying to dabble in the world. And God was calling me at that time to say, no, man, you've got you've to get rid of your old lifestyle. You've got to turn away from your sin and turn fully to Jesus. And so there was a moment where I made that decision. I said, God, I'm tired of living for me. Several months had passed, and I was like, God, I'm tired of living for me. It's gotten me nowhere. Today, Jesus, I want to live for you 100%. No more drugs, no more alcohol. I used to smoke a pack and a half a day. No more cigarettes. God set me free. I want to live my whole life for you. And it was in that moment that everything changed. From that moment on, I didn't do drugs anymore. From that moment on, God broke that smoking addiction. He broke the alcohol addiction. And God completely changed our life from that moment on in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We're, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and we see in this story that, that there's this parable about Simon, the Pharisee, that, that Jesus tells to Simon. He says there's two people. They're both in debt. They both have a debt to pay. One owes a big debt. The other owes a small debt. But neither one of them can pay the debt. And I think Jesus was telling that story to Simon to tell him, listen, Simon, you think so much about this bad, big, bad sinner down here, this sinful woman. She's so terrible. She's such an awful sinner. You think she is such a big sinner. But Simon, you also have a debt to pay. And you also can't pay that debt. Simon, you might have a little sin in your life, but you also need to bow your knee to me, you also need to come like this woman did and bow your knee. And something tragic happened that day. Here Simon was. Simon was in his own house with Jesus Christ in his house. 
Simon was in his house with the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ, God himself, was in Simon's house, and yet Simon missed the opportunity. He never bowed his knee to Jesus. He never received forgiveness. We never hear Jesus tell Simon, Simon, your sins are forgiven you. He missed his opportunity. Can I tell you, you can come into the house of God this morning and miss your opportunity. You can come into the house of God. You can be in the presence of God. In fact, you could live in the house of God your whole life. But living in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than living in McDonald's makes you a hamburger. My friends, the church can't save you because the church didn't die for you. There's only one person who died for the sins of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can save you this morning. But you've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to make that choice. You've got to be like that woman and say, you know what, I don't care about what's going on around me. I know I'm not right with God. There's this ache in my soul and, and something needs to change. And this morning, it's the Holy Spirit that's drawing you. And he's saying, today is your day. But today, don't miss your opportunity. You see, the Bible teaches us that God can forgive us of all of our sins, but there's one sin God can't forgive. It's the sin of rejecting his son. Jesus said, if you reject me in this life, I will reject you in the life to come. My friends, don't reject Jesus this morning. If you're broken, if you're, if you're in need of salvation, you might say, Chris, I'm not a big bad sinner. But my friends, even if you have a small sin in your life, you still need to bow the knee to Jesus. I'm going to end with this quick story, if I could have the worship team come back. There was a man who was an atheist. True story this time. About an atheist. He had a Christian friend that was very astute in apologetics, and they had been talking about religion and Christianity and Jesus and all of these things for several months. And after several months, the atheist began to realize that, you know what, maybe this guy is telling me the truth. Maybe what he's saying is real. And he began to be persuaded to be a Christian, but he was really hesitant in coming to Christ because he didn't want everyone to think that he was crazy, one of these weird Jesus freaks, one of these Bible thumpers. He thought, you know, I've been an atheist, so what will people think about me when I, when I, when I turn away from atheism and turn to Christianity? But he knew he needed to come to Christ. But he was resisting. And all of a sudden, one night, the atheist had a dream. And in the dream, he found himself in the middle of a giant field. And in the middle of the field was a white picket fence it was going right down the middle, and he was standing on top of the white picket fence. He wasn't on one side or the other. He was just right there in the middle on the fence. And he looked to his right, and he saw heaven and Jesus and God and all the holy angels. But when he looked on the left side of the fence, he saw Satan and hell, and he saw all the demonic angels. But he wasn't on one side or the other. He was just right there in the middle standing on top of the fence. And all of a sudden, the devil appeared right in front of him. And the devil said to him, sir, you need to make a choice, one side or the other. 
which one do you choose, heaven or hell? And the atheist said, I don't choose either side. I'm happy right here in the middle. I'm happy right on the fence. And the devil said something to him in the dream that shook him to the core. The devil said to him, sir, don't you realize? I own the fence. The fence is mine. Your lack of a decision is a decision in itself. And all of a sudden, the man woke up from the dream in a cold sweat. He got down on his knees on the side of his bed, and he said, Oh, God, today I decide to follow you. Forgive me, Jesus. From this day forward, I want to follow you the rest of my life. My friends, maybe there's some people here. You've been holding back. You've been on the fence with God. Today, my friends is your day. This moment is your moment. It's your opportunity. Like that atheist, like that woman, like me, like so many others, this is your moment to say, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, save me, and today he'll do it. But I pray that you don't reject him today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you, God, that you love them so much that you would give your only begotten son to die for them, to hang there on the cross for them. Just like that woman came and bowed at the feet of Jesus, the same feet of Jesus, she cried at those feet, God, your feet, she cried at the same feet that would carry the cross to Calvary the same feet that would be pierced for her sin and for our sins oh God I pray today that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you God that are that are backslidden or maybe they've never received Jesus before but today God I pray that they would find salvation at the feet of Jesus I pray that they wouldn't turn from you. God, you know. You know them. You know everything about them. I pray, God, you draw them even now to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you're here, you know you're not right with God. There's sin in your life. You know you need to get right with God today. This is your moment. Who cares about what anyone else might think? Who cares about who's around you? Today is your day of salvation. This moment is your moment. But I pray you don't miss it like Simon. But come to Jesus. If that's you today and you know you need Christ, you know you need to get right with God, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Keep those hands raised. Anyone else, you need Christ. You need Jesus. This is your moment. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with me, please. Everyone all over the buildings, just stand. This is a very important moment. So please just ask you just a couple more minutes. Please don't walk around or talk. But listen, I want to pray for those of you who raise your hands. Don't miss this moment. I want to lead you 
to Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to be bold enough to step out of your seat and to come to the altar. You know, Jesus was bold enough to hang naked on a cross and die for you. I pray this morning you'd be bold enough to say, yes, I need that Jesus. And so when I count to three, if you raise your hand or you know you should have raised your hand, I want you to come down to the front. One, two, three. Just come. Come right now if you raise your hand. Come on, put your hands together. Come on. There was a lot more hands than this. Just come. If you raise your hand, come. 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 If you know you should have raised your hand, come. Hallelujah. Just come here. Just come up here. You can come over here. Hallelujah. Now listen, there was, you guys can come over this way. Now there was, there was quite a few more hands that went up. So I'm going to turn you into evangelist just for a minute. And I don't care who's on your left or your right, if it's your mom, your dad, or your pastor. I want you to ask that person on your left and right if they need to be up here. And if they do, I want you to grab them by the hand and bring them up here. Go ahead, ask the person on your left and right. Do you need to be up there? Do you need to be up there? Bring them up if they do. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Come on, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, this is your moment. This moment changes everything. Amen. This is the moment that when I made that choice to truly surrender to Jesus, to truly turn from my sin and turn to Him, He changed everything. I never thought in a million years I'd be traveling all over the world telling people about Jesus. Now, He may not call you to do that, but I'm telling you right now, He's going to change you from the inside out, and He's going to make you a new creation, a new person in Christ Jesus. The old will pass away, and everything will become new. Amen. And so we're going to pray, and the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. It's a promise from God that if we call on him, he'll save us. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So I'm going to help you pray and confess with your mouth and call upon Jesus this morning. But your job is to pray every word and mean it from the depths of your heart. So we're going to pray something like this. Jesus, forgive me, help me, save me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live for you, okay? But you guys, you pray with all your heart and mean it, amen? So I want all of you who have come forward, just close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven, and just repeat after me. Say, Jesus. And I want all of you, just stretch your hands toward them and pray this in support of them as well. Just say this. Say, Jesus, today I realize that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Today, I choose you, and you choose me. Today, I ask you save me, forgive me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. For the rest of my life, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
My friends, this is your new birthday, okay? You can celebrate the old one, but this is your new spiritual birthday. So I want you to write it down in your calendar. Never forget this day that you made this decision to begin following Jesus for the rest of your life because from now on, everything will begin to change. Holy Spirit will come in, begin to lead you and guide you. Now there's a couple of things I want you to do. It's so important to get into a good, healthy church that teaches the Bible and teaches about the Holy Spirit, and you found one here today. So this is a good place to start. Secondly, you need to be in reading the Bible every day. Read as much of it as you can, even if it's just one chapter a day. I encourage you tonight to start in the book of John. Just start reading the book of John, and then it's really important you get water baptized because water baptism is that significant mark of you saying the old man is gone, the new man is coming forth. In Jesus' name. And third, and finally, it's, in good, it's really good to get involved in hanging out with people who love Jesus more than you do. That's the thing. You need those people to get around you. And I can tell you, there's a whole lot of people here that love Jesus a lot. And so I would say, get around them, begin to create that community and build those relationships. Pastor Ken, do you have any other uh, words? I also, I want to pray for the sick after the service. So if you need God to touch you and heal you, I would love to pray for you at the end of the service. Just uh, just to kind of build on something that Chris mentioned, um, here at Lighthouse we have Bible coaches. And what they do is they get with you and they teach you how to get around in the Bible so that you it, it, it'll be a uh, it'll be a familiar book instead of a foreign book to you, and uh, so I really encourage you. You can go on our website. Um, you can uh, get a connection envelope there and just say I want a Bible coach. There's a, a, a uh, there's on our website. There's a place that you can do that too. But uh, we'll we'll get somebody with you so that uh, you can begin to start to grow and understand what the scriptures have to say for you. So let's give them out one more uh, hand if we can do that. Praise God. This is awesome.